0: This episode is brought to you by Doers 12-year-old Scotch Whiskey, newly remastered and double-aged in first-filled bourbon casks. You're listening to Fix Me a Drink, a Flaviar podcast. Welcome to another episode of Fix Me a Drink. I'm Noah Rothbaum, Flaviar's head of cocktails and spirits. Joining me as always is my colleague and co-host, David Weingrich. How are you, Dave?
1: I'm doing just fine. Uh, you know, nice, cold, crisp fall weather out here while we're recording this. And uh, I'm looking forward to maybe talking about a little bit of scotch whiskey.
0: Absolutely. Today's episode, the topic is perfect for the weather that we're having. Um, yeah. It is uh, all about blended scotch. Our friend Stephanie McLeod, the award-winning master blender from Doers, will be joining us to chat about um, some new things that she's been working on, how she works, the, the art of blending. I mean, definitely a fascinating topic when...
1: Well, when you've got a real expert on, so that's always a, a real pleasure.
0: Absolutely. And something that blending, I think for a long time, you know, we've been so focused on single malts that we've sort of forgotten what the art of blending means and, and yeah. how much skill it takes to pull together, you know, all types of single malts and grain whiskey and, and make that a delicious product but also a consistent product from year to year.
1: You can you can make it delicious once, but right. the hard part is all right, <laughs> make that thing again. <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. I mean,
1: trial and error will get you like will 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 often enough get you there for the first time, but Exactly. To to do that over and over in any uh, quantity is an impossibly complex task. And it, so takes, it takes somebody who's a who tastes at a level that I'll never reach. You know, and I
0: feel like it's playing like billiards, right? Where like yeah, yeah you exactly. know, the way that I play it, like I think about each shot, right? Yeah. We're like a master blender or an expert pool player. Is thinking not one shot at a time, but four shots, the right? Like,
1: balls in motion, like, you know, exactly. <laughs> to pound. Yeah, uh-uh. I'm <laughs> gonna pocket that ball, and then the yeah. white ball's gonna go over there and go the knock that one there. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm,
0: not, I'm not there yet. I'm looking forward to this. We'll get Stephanie on the line in a minute. Welcome, um, Stephanie. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it.
2: Definitely.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Thanks for having me. It's a it's a pleasure to be with you both.
0: Normally, we usually meet over over whiskey, which is my preferred way of uh, of talking with folks <laughs> for this podcast. So uh, this
1: is, <laughs> not just in general.
0: <laughs> just well, you know in general too, but well, uh, this uh, this will will have to make do. But. Um, Dave and I are very excited about the new Dewar's 12-year-old.
1: I've been enjoying it greatly, and uh, the, the bottle I got sent is perilously close to empty. So. <laughs> oh, no. We've had a little bit of a cold spell here, so, you know. Need just that one out.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Dave and I have, I mean, had the fortune to taste a lot of different Dewar's whiskies over the years, some from decades ago. Mm-hmm. I know Dave often talks fondly about one.
1: I got to taste a 1967 just regular Dewar's White Label uh, that was in perfect condition. And uh, it was one of the best whiskeys I've ever tasted. Really? So rich, so delicious, so, you know, perfectly balanced. Uh, you, you, you're, you're at the head of a long tradition uh, of some very skilled people. So, uh, you know, I'm very glad to, uh, to have you here and talk with us. It's amazing.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I, I didn't create the 1967
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> A few years before your time. But you are only the the seventh Master Blender for doers, right? I mean, which is really quite incredible given how old the company is.
2: Yes, yeah. And, you know, I was the first woman as well. And, you know, when I was asked, would I like to become the Master Blender? You know, I, I did feel the weight of the responsibility and the the legacy of jures on my shoulders because it's, you know, it is a huge brand. It's a brand with so much history and provenance and, and means so much. I didn't take it lightly when I was asked to become, or asked to train up to become the master blender. What was the
1: training process for the, let's say the final polishing process that must have been intense?
2: Well, you know, since, you know, Bacardi bought the brand in 1998, you know, we had all the the recipes and all the, the, the archive history that that came with it. Um, but there isn't a training programme for Master Blenders. That has changed now. <laughs> so we do have all that in place now, because obviously I'm not going to be here forever. You know, I'm not immortal. Basically, we just had to kind of work it out as as we went along and, And I knew the questions that I had. And and so I I would do things like, so the the master blender that was there at the time would make up blends uh, using, you know, maybe four different malts and greens. And then I would try to, you know, through using my nose and and my palate, discern which malts and greens he had added to make that blend up. And it was a bit frustrating. Yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> but it was it was things like that. And just just getting to grips with, you know, what was the DNA, what was a house mm-hmm. style of Jewers, what what made Jewers what it is. And so it, it's very important to me, you know, as a master blender for jurors to ensure that no matter what we do with jurors, so whether it's the the Dewars 8 series or the double-double series, that the house style of jurors endures. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that is always the thread running through everything that we do. And, and it's just ensuring that no matter what the circumstances are of our inventory, no matter how the, the brand teams may change, Mm-hmm. Or or any changes external changes to the company that Dure's lives on, um, and so that's always important to me.
1: Do you have like a, a a way that you describe the house style? I mean, I know it's it's very hard to describe taste in words, and and it's the kind of thing you know it when you smell it and you know it when you taste it. But uh, do, do you have a little like set of principles or?
2: So, obviously, we have our recipes. So, the recipes are actually black and white. They're now digital recipes, but they are recipes. So, that stays the same. How I describe the house style of Dures is approachable complexity. So, they're easy to drink, but they're not bland. So, that when you add ice, when you mix in a cocktail, you still know that you're drinking a Scotch whiskey. You know, some whiskeys. Might disappear into the ingredients of a, a cocktail mm-hmm. or, you know, slightly wilt under the force of ice. But Jures doesn't do that. You know, it still maintains that it's a Scotch whiskey. And I don't care what you throw at me, I'll <laughs> always be a Scotch whiskey.
0: I remember when I was starting out at the magazine that I worked at, uh, one of my colleagues said, you know, who was more senior said, you know, Probably takes about a year to figure out what is and what is not a story for us. It was very helpful when when she pointed that out, right? And something that I think a lot of for us for young writers struggle with figuring out which publication is right for a story. Like how long did that process that you're describing take for you to figure out like what is a blend for doers and what's not a blend for doers. I mean, it's, it's sometimes not good or bad. It's just not right for the house.
2: I mean, there's been some ideas that have just been not legal.
0: Right,
1: <laughs> that's a problem. Well,
0: I mean, because the Scotch so, Whisky Association is very specific rules and regulations. That's not so outlandish. That
2: um, yeah. So, so there are some things that are quite easy to say no to. Um, and you know, there are. Th- there's been very few that I've said, absolutely not. That will never work with whisky. So we have a very close relationship with our brand teams, and we we talk all the time, and we we have a relationship where we we can discuss crazy ideas, you know, with the full acceptance that that will never happen. But do you know what? There is a germ of an idea there that perhaps we could take forward. So I guess a case in point would be, you know, um, the mescal finish, the Jersey illegal. We'd always wanted to do that, you know, for a long time. We'd wanted to do something with mezcal, but at the time we were looking at it, it wasn't legal for us to use mezcal because it wasn't part of the list of casks that we were able to use. So we always kind of dabbled in it, and you know, it was on our wish list. And then the SWA broadened the list of casks that we could use, and you know, mescal was one of the ones that, that we could use. But then it was that some of the mezcals we looked at gave an unfortunate quality to the whiskey, it gave a kind of sweaty character <laughs> to the whiskey that, that obviously we, we couldn't have. And then we started, one of the brand ambassadors um, gave me a sample of Illegal and it, gave a freshness to the whiskey. So, so you're wondering you know, how, how on earth was I able to get it into a cask and then decide that it was, it was good. What I normally do when we're about to look at something new in terms of a cask finish is I get a sample of that spirit, pour it into a glass, empty the glass, pour in the whiskey. Mm. And if at that stage mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. something good happening, um, that's when I say, I think there could be something that, that could work here. That's also a useful trick. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I was going to yeah. say that actually.
0: I'm taking yeah. notes. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah it is, it's never let me down. Yeah. So so I'm, I'm going to keep using it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm going to keep using it. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'll, I'll make
0: sure you get credit. And I remember you and I and John Rexer from Illegal met at a bar in New York. And yes. to taste that, <laughs> and to be honest, I was kind of dubious. Right. Because like we've all tried like barrel finishes that have been lovely and wonderful and delicious and some that are not as successful. Right. And and mezcal is not easy. It doesn't usually play well. You know, smoke
1: to smoke. So there's that kind of thing.
0: I withheld judgment until I tried it, but I was really blown away at how good it was. Um, and Dave, you're right, like the smoke of that Illegal barrel, it's just, it added just a whisper, you know, of like it wasn't overpowering and it, it allowed the whiskey to come through. And obviously that's a credit to your skills.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a credit to us, but it's also a credit to, to Illegal because they make mm. this really fresh, green mm-hmm. yeah. mezcal that, that really worked with the flavour profile of our whisky. And so the, the combination of the, the two just made for this really beautiful whisky. And, and obviously I, I was quite worried about it because we were the first Scotch whisky that were going to use um, mescal and label it as a blended Scotch whisky. And so I knew that all eyes would be on us just waiting for us to, you know, maybe make a mistake and we sampled those casks on a weekly basis just to ensure that the miscal didn't dominate the whiskey. Yeah. And right. so right. after three weeks actually um I said no we need to stop now. That's that's it. It's too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause it was that's just amazing. it was just in danger yeah, of maybe yeah, yeah. the I miscal's
1: mean, a very unpredictable spirit, let's say with yes I mean, so many, yeah. as as is, as is Scotch whiskey, but I mean, the depths yeah. and, and the the eddies of cross flavor you get in it could be really quite something.
2: It was a, a concerning period of time, um, but it's always rewarding when you're mm-hmm. working with something um, <clears throat> that you've never used before, you know, that was kind of groundbreaking for Scotch whiskey as well. Can we expect a baiju jar finish?
0: That's next level blending.
2: If
1: they were matured in oak, oh, that's true. Fortunately, they matured in in, in ceramic jars, so yeah. you don't have to worry about it for now. Then, <laughs> I guess.
0: I'll let you, Dave, taste that one first before I. Well, I'm going get...
1: to rinse out a glass with some ice <laughs> and exactly. <laughs> yeah, then we'll try it. Exactly, we'll try it. Never know. See what happens,
2: <laughs> you know.
0: We'll never know. Who knows? If it works, we'll let you know. Getting back to the the new Doers Twelve, and you know, we're obviously very excited for it, and very different than the previous 12 at least um, for my palette i mean to re-blend such a well-established whiskey you know was that uh, a project that you approached with trepidation or was it exciting to to be able to put your own damp and spin on it
2: i guess one of the main things is that we ha- we didn't actually quite incredibly we didn't reformulate it it's it's the same base blend and it was important for us to maintain that because of the legacy of jurors. Now, that would have been on the table if the other elements didn't work. What we tried was with the previous years 12, we double-aged it or, or married it is the other term in oak casks, which had no real maturation potential because all we really wanted to do was for... The, the disparate characters of the malt and grains are suddenly brought together as a blend, just time to settle, to interact with one another. Um, and so we, we didn't actually get any, you know, maturation compounds, additional maturation compounds during that double aging period. No extraction from the wood. Exactly. By double aging it in the bourbon casks, what we found was that we were getting the the interaction still between the malts and the grains and the different characters. But we were also um, getting this elevation of creamy, toffee, vanilla notes. Now we use bourbon casks already in the base blend. So that is part of our our wood profile. Mm -hmm. So by double aging it, in the bourbon casks, it was kind of amplifying the notes that were already given to the whiskey by the full maturation <laughs> in bourbon casks. And we, you know, we use a variety. We use sherry casks, we use bourbon casks, we use refill casks, but bourbon is part of that. And you know, so it's just sort of elevated and lifted. You know, the spicy, the vanilla, and and we get more of that creamy mouthfeel on the palate as well. So it's been really quite a small change, but it's given us this huge boost and and a huge augmentation of of the of the vanilla and toffee notes. I mean, I really noticed the texture.
1: Yeah when i tasted them side by side uh, with with the with the previous blend it it, it definitely came off as being a, a heavier richer blend so it's interesting that that's that's just the uh, marrying that that did that that's the change there
0: when you tell people like you know a lot of the flavor also comes from the barrel i, I don't think they really understand often like just how much right and 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 i think this proves really depending upon the type of wood that it ages in and how many times the barrel's been used and what it's held before can have all types of effects upon the finished whiskey from from mouthfeel to flavor to obviously the color
2: yeah i mean you know that's really what what i fell in love with with scotch whiskey when i started working with it um when i worked at strathclyde university i didn't know anything about whiskey when I started working with it I I didn't even think that I liked whiskey it didn't relate to me in any way and then when I discovered that the whiskey comes off the still clear and you know very flavorful but then when we put it into a cask it completely changes and these changes vary depending on the type of cask the duration of storage, of maturation, um, where you store it, how you store it, um, you know, the, the strength at which you fill it into the At loads of variations and loads of variables that can be tweaked and then can give something completely different. And that is the, the joy of working with Scotch whiskey. You know, we know an awful lot more than, than we've ever done about Scotch whiskey, but there's still that tiny little bit that we still don't know and gives us a, a wonderful surprise whenever we, we sample from a barrel.
1: It's an impossibly complex chemical problem. There are just so many variables, you know, it leaves a little room for art you know for i don't yes. know why why this works but it works and that's rare yeah. in the modern world especially it's rare in things that are made by huge corporations you know have to be very predictable but uh, to 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 still have room for that is a little bit magical i think
0: You were talking about the rules and regulations for making scotch and obviously what you can and cannot do is very well defined and in- Tight regulations lead to creativity, you know, and and people looking for aspects of the process that have never really been thought about, like the marrying tank, you know, which leads to all types of innovations.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We we always marry in oak. It's always in oak casks. And that's why we can talk about double aging, because there's still an element of aging happening, even though, you know, it's very fleeting. And and it's important to us at Jewers that, that whether we're double-aging in bourbon or whether we're finishing in port or finishing in illegal mezcal casks, that the the character of the whiskey is still dominant. And that the secondary cask is is complementing the whiskey. Because I would never want uh a whiskey to you know people to wonder whether they were drinking a whiskey or whether it was a sherry they were drinking or or whether it was a port they were drinking (laughs) good point so i (laughs) always want the character of the whiskey to come through because that's what people are buying they're buying a scotch whiskey and they're buying pure scotch whiskey
0: where did the idea of the of the second american oak bourbon barrel maturation come from for this blend
2: we have a, a wonderful partnership with the U.S. Open, the Gulf U.S. Open, and we are the, the whiskey of that. And the very first one that we did was a, a finish of Jures 19 in bourbon casks. It gave just a, a, a really interesting you know, elevation, and really that's when we thought, well... What happens if we did that with Dewar's 12? It really was as simple as that. And you know, what, what if?
1: What level of refill are we talking about, just to get technical for a second, on on the, the finishing casks? Uh, I assume it's fairly low.
2: Yeah, so these are first fill bourbon casks. First fill, okay.
0: So they've only been used before for bourbon?
2: Yeah, they've come straight off the, the container from the US. <laughs>
0: Same principle, like if a whiskey has been aged in, use sherry barrels, casks, and they were then again finished for like a second time in sherry, I assume we get the same sort of dialed up sherry quality from those casks?
2: It very much depends on the duration and and the strength that you've filled the first time you've used sherry casks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, So the the second time you use them, there will be less there to work with. But it really does depend on the sherry cask, to be honest. Some sherry casks, the first time you use it, you don't get very much. With other sherry casks, and it can be the same type of sherry, you will get lots of character coming through and lots of colour. So the thing about whiskey casks, or casks that we use to mature whiskey is that you really don't know what you're going to get until you actually open up the <laughs> It's so frustrating in some ways, but so rewarding in other ways. Um, and that's why at JURS we constantly monitor the progress of, of finishing, whether we're finishing it or we're double aging it in the case of Jures of 12. And, and that's to ensure that either it has reached its potential by the time we want to bottle it, or indeed that it's reaching its potential too quickly, in which case we have to pull it from that sherry cask or bourbon cask and put it into an inert cask or better still, bottle it.
1: Before it stops tasting like doers.
2: Yes. So we're we're really wanting to catch it before it goes too far. And that is very time consuming because the guys that, that work in our warehouses have to then go in, pull out the casks, sample them, give us the samples, and then we say, you know, whether it stays or whether it, it goes.
1: And you don't make these things in tiny little batches either. <laughs> I was going to say.
2: Our double-double range is probably is, is a smaller batch. Cask series, those are, you know, increasingly not um, small batches. Obviously, Dewar's 12 is, is by no manner of means a small batch
1: so that's a lot of barrels to sample every day
2: <laughs> yeah we probably don't look at every single one <laughs> but we will we will do a statistical sample
0: hearing you talk about the barrels reminds me of people who are tea merchants or people who run you know tea shops where sometimes certain type of tea the first pass it's okay each time it's used it gets better and better right and it's like and other times it's, you know, one use and, and you're done. And it's like, it's the same kind of interesting art and science, right? Where, you know, you're not exactly sure what you're mm. going to get in your in your glass until you try it.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You know, sometimes, particularly with wine casks, you use a, a, a wine cask. You've, you've just got it in from, you know, the winery or the vineyard. And you get a beautiful whiskey at the end of it. But then using it a second time, you know, can give a completely different, maybe a gentler version of the previous one. And so that's that's always interesting to explore. And we would always stay on the label, you know, it's been a second fill, Pomerol or Poyac or, or whatever it might be. Because we think that in itself is interesting and it might not work out. And it might just be, well, you know, it was good that we tried it, but it's not different enough. It is good to to see what the potential of a cask is and the different uses of it.
0: Do you think that you'll do a second maturation in American oak for other doers' whiskeys? Like, you know, we'll see like a similar aging technique for other ones?
2: Um, It's certainly not on the cards at the moment, but... You know, never say never. We're constantly looking at our range and looking at it through the lens of what we do now, cast series, the double-double series, Mm -hmm. even the works that we do with our single malts as well. All of this work informs what we do with our inventory and where we see our inventory developing in the in the future we're building a, a jurors creative hub hopefully in the the new year and that's going to be a, a standalone site a, a building um where me and my team will be housed and there'll be a an innovation lab our blending room will be there there'll be space for us to work with you know creatives and scientists and people who will help us Create the whiskies of the future. You know, Scotch whisky is different from other spirit categories. We can't just think about now. We have to think about five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years in the future. Um, and these are the kind of timescales that we are thinking about when we're laying down new make spirit into oak casks. You know, what we do is all about building a blending legacy to ensure that blenders in the future will have some beautiful stock to work with so the spirit that we're laying down you know we in this building may never see in a bottle but you know we still put everything into it to ensure that that's going to be in the best possible condition when it does see the light of day and get filled into a bottle
1: it's like managing a forest you know yeah
2: very much. You so you
1: cut the trees, you plant other ones, and you know that it's gonna take them a generation to grow and yeah. You have to make sure that you know it's still a living forest at the end.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's very much like that. And that is a real privilege and a real responsibility.
1: That's not something we get often, you know, in the modern world. Is that that type of long term thinking? And it's 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 kind of nice.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's just it's so important because If we hadn't had, you know, blenders in the past that were thinking that way, then we wouldn't have the double-double series. You know, we wouldn't have double-double 36. 36 years ago, we didn't know we were going to have double-double 36, but we had the stock, we were able to make it. And so it's building in that surplus and interest in the inventory. We don't know what's going to happen, but we just know that if we have good spirit. In good casks, in good warehouses, then pretty sure that there's going to be beautiful whiskey at the end of it. I
1: think that's probably a safe bet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> beautiful thought to to think about as you sip your whiskey. Uh, thank you so much, Stephanie, for coming on. It's always a pleasure to chat about scotch. I always learn things and think about things that i'd not thought about mm-hmm. before which is also a wonderful thing about scotch is that never-ending learning process it's always something else to to think about or figure out
2: thanks for having us and um slange i haven't got a glass in my hand but i'll toast you tonight but yours 12 <laughs> we,
1: we will do the, the same, same.
0: 12. Blended Scotch Whiskey. Enjoy responsibly. Copyright 2022. Dewar's. Its trade dress, true scotch, the Celtic logo, and the John Dewar signature are trademarks. Imported by John Dewar & Sons Company. Coral Gables, Florida. Blended Scotch Whiskey. 40% alcohol by volume.